When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Coast to Coast AM News Editor Tim Banal, John Tinney from Ghost Stalkers, host of the Saucer Life podcast Aaron Goulias, your favorite crackpot historian Adam Gorightly, podcaster Micah Hanks, and many more speakers and workshops. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. Welcome back. This is the final. I want to look down there. This is the final Strange Realities 2022 preview episode. And we've got the rest of the speakers. Maybe you could call them the best of the speakers. I don't know. The rest of the speakers for the 2022 Strange Realities Conference. And if you're not convinced that this will be an absolutely fascinating three days, then this is our last plea to you. Go get tickets at strangerealitiesconference.com, online or in person in Nashville, Tennessee. And actually, on this on this video, as you're watching it on YouTube, you can go down to the uh, description of the video, and there's a link where you can buy a ticket. So if you want to see any of these guys speak, or us, or whatever you want to do at Strange Realities Conference 2022, go, go click that link and uh, get your online ticket, or if you're adventurous, get your $70 uh, in-person ticket. But tonight, we have Timothy Renner is with us. Hello. All right. And Rian Collier. Yo. And Christopher Ernst. Hey, everybody. And Soraya Asgath. Greetings. Thank you, Soraya. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, I think we're going to be joined by Recluse a little bit later, hopefully. Uh, He's so a little guys, bit re- of a recluse, I heard. Yeah. He is a little bit of a recluse. He's doing yeah. secret recluse stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's living up to the name right now. That's that's for that's for sure. So tonight, guys, we're going to do what we've done the last four times on this uh, these preview shows. We're going to talk about what you guys are going to discuss, what you guys are going to do for Strange Realities Conference 2022, and then we can just have uh, talk about just whatever you guys you guys want to talk about. Um, but I think what I want us to, I want to start with is we can kind of go in order of who's going to be speaking, uh, tonight and Ren, let's talk about what you're going to do. Cause this is going to be uh, pretty interesting. You're going to speak at 
7.30 to 8.30, we decided, for astrological mm -hmm. reasons, I believe. Yep, yep, yep. Bro, I had to switch with Aaron Goulias. Yeah. Just to make sure yeah. that the, the planetary hour timing down right. Right, right. So um, what we're going to be going through uh, is a, a, we're going to be doing the Via Solis Elixir Rite for Libra. Uh, this is a series of rituals that my mentor, Scott Stenwick, leads every month at uh, Leaping Laughter Lodge up here in Minneapolis. Um, effectively, it is an angelic magic operation in which uh, a group of people uh, conjures an angel using Scott's uh, operant field methodology, which I'll kind of briefly go into before we actually do the ritual. I won't have a whole lot of time to like explain what we're going to be doing because it's going to take a little while to actually do it. Um, but once the angel is present, you have them uh, imbue an elixir or usually like a glass of wine or it could be fruit juice. It could be whatever, depending on, you know, people drink alcohol or not uh, with the magical powers of that zodiac sign. Um, then everyone drinks from the cup, gains those powers. They can uh, enchant a talisman with like a drop of the elixir if they would like. Um, and then the angel is thanked, given the license to depart, and the ritual is closed out. Um, the magical powers of the Zodiac are, uh, they're in 777, if people are familiar with that. So a huge list of uh, occult correspondences. So for Libra, uh, the magical power of Libra is the, um, it rules over like works of justice and like uh, legal things. So... It'll be a good way to get yourself a get out of jail free talisman for the most part. Um, it should be a fun ritual and I'm hoping that I've got a lot of people participating. I've been spending the last couple of weeks um, actually making a ton of uh, Libra talismans to hand out as like physical things at the uh, ritual. Uh, anybody who participates, it'll be free of charge. You'll get a handmade Rin Collier talisman um, made out of copper. Uh, an acid etched with uh, some designs that I, I put on it. So um, yeah, hopefully people will get a kick out of it. I mean, it's like I've been doing these Via Solis Elixir rites pretty much every month for like the last, I guess, three years. I, there was a time, you know, when things were locked down that we didn't meet, but uh, for the most part, it's been an unbroken thing. And um, even if people are at home, they can, I'm going to, um, get Adam to, to like put out the the text of the ritual and stuff. So if people are at home and they, they don't want to miss out on the fun, they could always follow along at home and kind of do their own solo version of it. It's entirely okay to do so. And uh, hopefully it'll be like an informative thing for people. Cause I feel like a lot of people, you know, they read a lot about ceremonial magic, but they don't necessarily ever practice it or have never really seen it practiced and especially haven't practiced it themselves. So it'll be fun to take hopefully a lot of people who've never done a like complicated ritual before and like walk them through it and lead them through it and show them what it's like to actually be inside one. Awesome. We really wanted to do some participatory things this year and uh, you're definitely helping out with that. That's something special. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah you're going you're gonna to do a kind of like a, 
I think it's going to be about 30 minutes of explanation, and I guess like the other 30 will be the actual ritual. I think it's how we're probably going to start. yeah. Um, I need to do some dry runs of it just solo to see like how long it'll take. I think the actual ritual itself probably take half an hour. I mean that's that's like a good amount of time. Um, it can be variable because you know the angel does need to actually show up. So if they're taking a long time to show up, it might take longer. But um, I don't think we'll have any issues. Well, the, yeah. So, what if an angel really does show up, Ren? What happens? <laughs> what happens? Then? What if? It's, it's gonna if we have it, if we have this going like to be an angel there. manifestation in <laughs> SIR Nashville in yep. the, on the stage, and I how would that affect an online view? SIR is haunted after this. Okay. It might be the mo it might be the most unique thing to happen at SAR Nashville. Well, <laughs> at least since uh, the the last occult ritual that Alan Greenfield did last year. But. Exactly, that was a bit of an inspiration for me. Like I was like, you know, if Alan got up there and did that, I could definitely like get people up there to do to do this via Solus, right? You know, I'm just hoping that we don't look like that Poke Runyon documentary, <laughs> like we. I, I that that's the I mean that's the thing though if you if you're ever if you just watch ritual right you watch other people perform rituals it's always a little goofy you know it's it's always kind of a little like high school theater production kind of thing but when you actually participated participate in it and you're you're like in it and you feel the energies and stuff going on during the ritual and you're you're saying the words and you're vibrating them and you're you're chanting together and everything it, it's totally different from just like watching on the outside or just reading about it you know it's like something that you really have to actually do to understand why it's powerful right so for video you need lots of explosions and a light show and i'm sure it <laughs> yep yeah, uh, could, yeah. Could we have some? I don't know if we, if we can rig some pyrotechnics at SAR. It might be a little. That would they might frown on that possibly. It might be some fire code, you know, <laughs> things that they dry would frown ice. on. Just, just dry hide ice. some. Yes. Hide some C four around the room and have it triggered when when he says certain words. C four. We're not trying to destroy the venue. All amounts. Yeah, I want you to throw the radio in the tub right as right proud it peaks. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, yeah, really looking forward to that, Ren. I think that's going to be that's going to be really awesome. Um, how would people? Um, how would just to go a little bit further into how people online would participate in this? Uh, so, if you're online and you want to participate, um, you can right now simply go to uh, my mentor Scott Stenwick's blog, which would be extremely difficult to spell out on the show. So maybe we'll put it in some show notes or I'll, I'll get you to tweet it out, Adam. Um, but on his blog, he has, you can just search uh, Via Solis Elixir, right? Actually, if you just Google Via Solis Libra, right, you'll probably find a link to his blog. Um, so if people wanna do it online with us ahead of time, you know, maybe just download a copy of it or have it pulled up on a screen, um, you know, get yourself a cup of juice or wine or something and just follow along with us as we do the ritual in person, you know, like say the same words and stuff. So it's meant to be a group ritual. So some of the stuff you might kind of have to you have to do all the parts yourself, uh, but that's perfectly fine. You know, and feel free to like read along with it or, or do whatever or don't, you know, 
wait until after the show and do it, you know, do it all by yourself. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll get people uh, some practical experience. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, Christopher Ertz, we'll talk to you about uh, what, see, so we're going to talk about the movie. We'll talk about that last here. But uh, what are you, you are actually going to be going second on Saturday. Yeah. And that's uh, 10.50 to 11.50 a.m. Central Time. Yes, indeed. So it puts you in the morning. Um, what are you going to be? I'm real curious to know what you're going to be talking about. I we think we haven't really discussed sure. it. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I kind of, besides making films that are, you know, about other people and the things they've done, um, <laughs> which is the primarily, I think, probably what I'm uh, best at, I kind of have one, like, thing that I feel like can contribute to the greater... I guess, uh, occult, metaphysical, philosophical uh, conversation. And that is to talk a little bit more about um, the, uh, uh, the Dachetrayan uh, lineage and uh, Meher Baba, uh, the Meher Baba movement from most people are familiar with from the 60s because my parents were a big part of it and my family was sort of big parts of it in the 60s. Uh, in its resurgence. Um, but I'm going to be talking specifically about uh, sort of what came from that. Um, and uh, what's the best way to describe it? There, it's it's something that has to do uh, with like three main points. Uh, the idea of like Mahatmas, ascended masters, uh, but also these idea, the idea of a uh, autopoetic control system and uh trickster phenomena uh so particularly in the uh, you know paranormal so um not that it's going to be you know delving deep into third order cybernetics or anything like that but the idea of the control system um and you know one can uh certainly if they're familiar with it in terms of valet so essentially what i'll be talking about is you know there was this um uh guru uh out of india in uh uh, the uh, 20th century um, whose name he went by uh, the name Meher Baba there are many Babas that exist in uh, India and there was a big fad in both the beginning of the 20th century and then sort of a resurgence in the 60s of you know people being into like hippie love gurus in the 60s and previously it was sort of you know the uh, the mystic swami um, and a lot of it is orientalism uh, but there's an interesting uh, there are some very interesting, I guess, circumstances and occurrences uh, and things that had to do with um, this uh, individual, Meher Baba, uh, who, for all intents and purposes, kind of comes off as like another guru, but uh, was actually doing all sorts of really strange stuff um, or interesting stuff. I talked a little bit about this the last Strange Realities, very specifically in his work with these people that were called God mad, uh, some of whom had cities powers, but were essentially, uh, you know, uh, homeless, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, like uh, beggars in India and Southeast Asia, uh, but who uh, Meher Baba said were actually quite spiritually um, uh, advanced and uh, had to kind of be brought down from this existence and these different planes. So there's this 
larger cosmology that him and a couple of other individuals, Upusani, uh, I'm sorry, Upasani Maharaj, um, uh, Tajuddin Baba, Narayan Maharaj, and Hazrat Babajan, uh, and Sai Baba of Shirdi, who were all, uh, according to them, um, ascended masters, or they were, in fact, uh, perfect masters, they called themselves. And it's very different from the theosophical um, uh, sort of uh, the, the way in which Blavatsky and theosophy or anything subsequent to that um, uh, you know, in terms of the Mahatmas or Ascended Masters, it's very different. Um, it's a lot more like, I would say, uh, maybe in the realm of Gurdjieff, uh, especially because it comes from this weird mix of Vedantic, Sufi, and uh, um, uh, Muslim, uh, uh, or like, or, or Sufi, Vedantic, and Zoroastrian um, uh, influences. So, uh, Basically, there is this entire cosmology that lists out, you know, uh, you know how magic and you know the 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 different uh, worlds, the different spiritual planes work, and it's um, interesting when you look at it combined with sort of the work that these guys were doing and the things that they were doing, because uh, at least they, I am pretty sure, were convinced that they were actually doing this. And so they are under the impression, you know, that the work that they're doing is essentially, you know, uh, making things happen here on Earth. Uh, and if you look at some of the things they did and the ways that they sort of went about it, the people that they met, the times in which they did things, there are some interesting coincidences. So uh, basically, it's this current that's part of 20th century, you know, um, esoteric, uh, uh, you know, Western esotericism, Eastern esotericism, uh, the occult in general, uh, that hasn't really been, I guess, looked at or incorporated into the general history. And I'd say, you know, anybody that's interested in, uh, you know, anything that's spiritual or intersection of religion and the spiritual with the esoteric or, you know, things like Gurdjieff and, you know, the uh, secret Sufis that he studied with, uh, you know, or Alexander David Neal or anything like that. It should be pretty interesting. Awesome. Sorry. I talk, well, I talk a lot because I, you no, know, uh, that's what I do. <laughs> that's great. It's, it's really cool to see uh, you continuing on this thread that you talked about at that last year's conference. And so yeah. like, we're getting to see you elaborate on that and uh, encourage anyone to check out that as well. W would you encourage people to check that out as like a, a basis for understanding some of the stuff that you're going to maybe get a little deeper into this time? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, what I did is I sort of took a very specific slice of that, which was this work and this book that was done, because um, the interesting thing about all of this is that it's all, you have this voluminous amount of record keeping that was done by all of these people, especially these Westerners that got involved with it. And, you know, while it might be subjective in the sense that it was written by these people, it's all these firsthand accounts of what happened. Um, and yeah, that the one that I talked about last year, uh, people definitely should check that out because it's, you know, based around this book that this Dr. William Donkin wrote when he followed May. Baba 
going around in India and all these strange occurrences that happened. And, you know, there's a lot of the stuff I'm talking about in terms of the esoteric cosmology that's talked about in there. Um, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. Uh, so I definitely think people check that out. And I won't be speaking specifically about these God mad people, the musts as they're called. So mm -hmm. that will be a whole different thing if people are interested in it. Is there a place people can, can see that stuff right now, Adam? Or is that not up yet? Uh, it's, I mean, it's on the old uh, 2021 you, streaming group. If you went last year, I think we were going to make that some of that stuff available to uh, conspiracy normal patrons pretty soon. But also, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the old Strange Realities Conference material, we're going to start putting uh, up online um, if it is approved to do so by the speakers. So you guys should be able to check that stuff out soon. Nice. Yeah, there's a yeah. Stay tuned, definitely for there's going to be a Strange Realities YouTube channel that I'm going to be putting some of the older stuff on. So four years. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the fourth year. So, well, very yeah, very very cool, uh, Chris. I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. Like I, I, I love how it's. I, I love that it's a part two of what you did last time. Yeah. Yeah. Then do we want to go to what uh, the other thing you were going to be doing uh, at the? Yeah, we could talk. We could talk about that a little bit. Conference, which includes yeah. another person on this panel here. Yes. It yeah. Does. Yeah. So let's talk about this uh, movie that you guys are going to be. We're going to be showing, <laughs> and that uh, we have someone here that is the subject of said film. Yes, him and uh, where did the road go in general? Uh, um, I mean, so I can talk about what the experience has been like so far. It really, you know, probably hasn't been that exciting for him. Um, it's been a lot of me editing and stuff, but I essentially just started going up and hanging out with Soraya, uh, last year. And I've been up a few times and I've recorded our conversations, uh, or rather I've recorded his side of the conversation and the film's really kind of just a profile of where did the road go, which is Soraya in many ways. And, you know, he talks about a lot of the main topics that came up have come up over the years and uh, some of the people that he's interviewed uh, along with some of, you know, his personal uh, esoteric history and um, some of his, you know, theories. So I think anybody who likes where did the road go, I, I hope it's, you know, it's interpreted through my filmmaking style, but, you know, that's very much the subject um, uh, because I'm a fan. What is the title? Uh, the title is called Magicians Long to See, and it's stolen from Twin Peaks because uh, it's me. There's the uh, the infamous poem um, from Twin Peaks where uh, it says the, the one of the lines is the magician longs to see. Uh, but we're all magicians. We all long to see. True. Awesome. Well, Soraya, do you want to uh, comment on what that experience was like? Was it like a one of these reality shows with a lot of screaming and, and, and fighting? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris wanted as much action as possible. Totally uh, scripted. I handed him a script when I showed up. Like, like I'd, I'd be on camera. He'd be throwing things at me, and we'd call it poltergeist activity and demons. <laughs> and, you know. At the end of the film, we actually get to find out where the road actually has been. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, it goes by a Wawa. <laughs> Past the 7-Eleven. 
You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at, at once honored and at once also super self-conscious about the whole thing. And then, you know, I watched his rough draft and went, all right, I didn't annoy myself. So hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah. And I credit that to, to Chris's editing. Oh, thank you. No, and it I, it'll be even it'll be even better when you see it uh, next time. Uh, try to clean, clean, clean things up. That's what I'm doing right now. It's like uh, um, I'm, I'll be working down to to the wire, but it'll be worth it because I'll try to have all the, you know, eyes awesome. crossed and T's dotted. So this will be a world premiere. This will be a world premiere and very special, uh, I think, you know, for anybody that uh, is going to be able to watch it streaming, too, because you might not ever see this particular version again. Um, okay. uh, not that it's going to be very different, but, you know, uh, the independent film goes through many iterations, usually before it like, you know, Soraya, uh, you can buy a DVD of it through the word of the road go dot com. Um, and uh, I expect that, you know, there'll just be, you know, sound tweaking, maybe a switch, yeah. switch out a song or something, something like that. So this will uh, be yeah. the strange realities cut. It absolutely will be. And I'm very excited to have it be the first time that there's a live premiere. It's the perfect audience, perfect place. And we awesome. also went to a bunch of locations that weird stuff has happened to me. So a little bit of that's on there as well. Yeah. And it's I think, you know. Being somebody who listens and listened and listens to Where Did the Road Go, you know, I think there will be a lot of things that you hear Soraya talk about or refer to that you're going to get like a visual of it um, or you're, you know, hear him more go, uh, we'll sort of focus in on something. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting for people. I hope so. Yeah. Everybody oh, well, so far has been really interested in it. Even people that don't have any, you know, uh, vested interest in, um, uh, I guess, the paranormal. I showed some a clip to my. I'm a you know film professor, and so I showed a, a clip of the you know part of it that's done to my students, and they were really into it. They're like, I want to see the whole thing. Cool. Yeah. How long is the film altogether? A little over an hour. Okay. Oh, yeah. so you cut it down from the seven-hour version. Yeah, cut down from the seven-hour version. You know. <laughs> Not Disney's not going to buy it now because it's not four hours. But uh, yeah, so the reason I ask is that we're I've got a two out basically a two hour uh, slot. For okay, it. so it's about an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, you okay. know, I say a little over an hour just because uh, uh, I don't know what. Yeah, it's about an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, and then you know we'll do Q and A. I think that that's a really good good amount of time for it. We should be we should be nice. Cool. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, what we'll do that night on Friday night, and I believe we're going to start this at nine Central Time. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, we'll have we're going to we're going to bring Soraya in from the ether. Uh, he's going to he's going to project his his essence onto the stage. Maybe Ren can help with that. Ren, yeah, can you can you bring him like Tupac an hologram style? An ethereal, ethereal hologram, holographic Soraya, on onto the stage, and uh, <laughs> no, just we'll, we'll do we'll do what we're doing now. It's, um, uh, Soraya will be streaming in, but uh, so we'll do a little intro. Chris can talk a little bit about the film, and then we'll uh, we'll play the film, and then after that, after the film is over, we'll have a little question and answer session, and that can be from anyone in the audience to anyone online as well. So uh, we want to make the point that the film is going to be available for the online audience too. So you guys are going to be able to watch it on our uh, channel, on our uh, group, the, the private Facebook group that you guys are going to get in. So 
And you said right. there are alternatives to people who don't have Facebook? Yeah, I'll have an alternative for that okay. as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Recluse is with us. Recluse, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. It's been it's it's, it's been a minute since I've seen you. Um, we've got you speaking on Saturday night. That is four thirty to five thirty uh, Central Time, and uh, we. I think you're going to be there. You're going to be with us in Nashville, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Okay. And I what are you going to be speaking about? Uh, well, I mean, it kind of comes out of my um, ongoing obsession with like a lot of, uh, you know, kind of ties with sacred geometry and uh, just the fact that a lot of weird stuff tends to go on in certain locations across the country. And I mean, really across the earth in general. But um, I at this point only really have the budget to uh, wander aimlessly around the United States. Uh, but it's fascinating also how like certain highways will seem to crop up in a lot of this stuff. Um, I've recently been doing a lot of things on the farm uh, with US Route 23, uh, specifically going through Ohio. But of course, I mean, if you're familiar with it, it runs all the way from kind of the Great Lakes down to Jacksonville, Florida. And it's, you know, a really fascinating place. It kind of goes right through in the midst of Edina and Hopewell country. Uh, in the southern Ohio Valley region. I mean, in fact, it goes, I think, from Chillicothe the other way down to, like, Portsmouth, uh, passing through a lot of the major earthworks, including the uh, Serpent Mound, and also the Sugarloaf Mountain, which was really the most holy spot in Hopewell cosmology. They're, uh, you know, they're a proverbial holy mountain, if you will. Uh, so it's kind of fascinating when you see this area, and then it's also sort of become awash with uh, a lot of drug and human trafficking, uh, it was really at the forefront of like the opioid crisis that broke out. Um, you know, to kind of put this in perspective, this was the same region where I think it was like the Roden family or something like that out of um, Ohio. The whole family was wiped out in that kind of drug altercation, I think, back in 2016, 2017, around the border in Pikesville, I believe it was. Um, you know, they were growing cannabis, I think, in a couple of areas around the house. And it was almost, well, at least the public perception of it is, was almost like a kind of Romeo and Juliet thing uh, mixed with the traditional Scots-Irish clan feud where uh, there had been a romance between uh, separate members of these two rival families who also happened to be doing a little bit of uh, you know drug trafficking and so forth. One decided to go out and meticulously murder the other one and you know that's how it played out. Uh, but yeah, it's attracted a lot of that stuff. And the more I started to look at US 23 uh, throughout the country, it occurred to me that this is pretty much going on everywhere. Um, I mean, I encountered a lot of the same stuff in the uh, portions of it in Georgia, which go through Atlanta, specifically Buford. I mean, a lot of these areas as well. And then, you know, you kind of get into uh, the western part of North Carolina. It's really interesting because there, in kind of the middle of nowhere, Asheville, uh, you've got the Biltmore um, Hotel or uh, Mansion, along with 
God, what is it? The Overlook Tower or something like that. I mean, it's just basically these massive Gilded Age structures in the middle of nowhere. There have been just rumors of a lot of strange activity around these spots for decades now. And I mean, if you've ever been to the Biltmore, I mean, it's just a wash with a lot of highly esoteric symbolism and what have you, as are a lot of the um, remaining Vanderbilt residencies. Uh, and then, of course, going into Michigan, you've got a lot of the same issues with trafficking in Ann Arbor and Flint and the whole area with US-23. So I had started to kind of wonder, you know, I mean, was it just uh, this particular area of the country or this particular highway that attracted all of this? And then it had dawned on me that um, Wisconsin also has a, a 23. It's not part of US Route 23. It's separate. It's Highway 23. And it's really fascinating. It's up there by Spring Green, and it kind of is bookend on one side uh, by Talesian, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, studio house, and on the other end by House on the Rock, uh, which Alex Jordan had built. And it's uh, really kind of become a bit of a pop culture phenomenon, thanks to Neil Gaiman, uh, first through the you know, novel American Gods, and then later it was brought into uh, the TV series. And uh, that was basically what I wanted to get into um, in my project that I was going to do for Strange Realities was first, what was it about this location that had attracted so many of these characters to it, like Frank Lloyd Wright and Alex Jordan and Neil Gaiman and a lot of other interesting people that we will uh, address in the presentation. Um, but also why it seemed like it was sort of epidemic with a lot of tragedy as well. Of course, this was famously where Frank Lloyd Wright's um, family, or not his family, his wife and um, her uh, two children from a prior marriage, along with a good chunk of the staff, were actually murdered uh, by the cook at Tellison uh, in 1914. And then a good part of the uh, residential area was subsequently burned down in the immediate aftermath. It's very bizarre and um, it almost is a reenactment in some senses of a uh, classic, I mean, almost tragic rite of sacrifice to several of the major deities, which I'll get into. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, kind of going into the modern era as well. I mean, it's um, another uh, interesting place that's nearby was Circle Sanctuary, which I wanted to get into because it's been so pivotal and really the neo-pagan revival and a lot of other instances. But I mean, there was some just sort of strange things that I had turned up with it, especially with some of the theories floating around with Paul Doors, the Zodiac Killer, and, um, you know, the fact that he was actually writing a lot of uh, letters to Circle Sanctuary in the 80s, trying to basically establish a dead drop there while simultaneously trying to do the same thing with Soldier of Fortune magazine, uh, which is really interesting if you know the history of Soldier of Fortune and what it was doing during the 1980s. Um, so anyway... Is the, Frank Lloyd, is the Frank Lloyd Wright house, is that are you talking about the one that's in, like, closer to Milwaukee? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, it's the one in Wisconsin. This kind of go, does this kind of go across Wisconsin, like the the? Well, it's a north-south route. It's a little like okay. the, it's about south of Madison, if I remember correctly. I got you. But it's kind okay. of fascinating that kind of whole area around Madison. I mean, is attracted so much stuff. Of course, Sox City's near there, which is where Arkham Publishing was. Augusta Durlis uh, Publishing House, Devil's Lake is nearby. There was like a commune thing dedicated to Hawking Bay. There, there's a spiritualist camp. Uh, it's just yeah, it's really amazing. Again, I mean, the amount of characters that were drawn to that whole particular area. So. 
something that I'm looking forward to getting into. So is this kind of an idea that uh, these geomancies versus bo both uh, ancient and uh, perhaps having to do with the the old surveyors and the highway systems have kind of created these vortexes yeah, well, I, or vectors for, for these later things to happen? Well, that's kind of something I wanted to explore is, I mean, essentially how places do affect individuals. And I mean, how it almost does seem like that there are these, I mean, almost kind of cosmic dramas that play out in certain areas over and over again. I mean, of course, this whole, you know, again, this whole area of southern Wisconsin, much like southern Ohio Valley, was just absolutely awash with, um, you know, uh, Native American earthworks. I mean, I think there was rumored to be around 20,000 mounds or something like that in the southern part of Wisconsin alone, along with like the rock hills and what have you. So it's just, you know, again, it's really fascinating that the same regions of the country, I mean, seem to attract the same kind of energies. And, you know, I can speculate that might be one of the reasons why there are so many um, unique individuals that are also drawn to these areas. Because again, it's, you know, one thing I've always kind of marveled at uh, since I started going to Wisconsin is how many just kind of like fringe artistic types have shown up there over the years but having spent a fair amount of time there i can see the appeal though it's um certainly i mean a very uh inspirational place in a peculiar kind of way all right uh, yeah that is fascinating Stephen. i'm looking forward to seeing that yeah we've um, been seeing you uh uh traversing the the states and on your uh, your occult detective missions it's been cool to yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I actually just got back from uh, Arkin, Ohio. I was <laughs> interviewing a source today, so yeah, I'm sorry that I'm a little uh, late showing up to the party. But yeah, yeah, I just can't seem to stop wondering. I got back from San Francisco on Friday, I think, and already I got the urge to get back on the road again. So, <laughs> well, you just need that Airstream trailer and that 45, and <laughs> you'll yeah, be a yeah, regular yeah. downer. About it. <laughs> <laughs> what were you in San Francisco? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Ren. Go ahead, Ren. You know, there's a town in Wisconsin called Saint Germain, right? Have you been to Saint Germain yet? No, I've heard of it though. But yeah, that, that's <laughs> on the list, man. Uh, there's, it's. I almost like wonder if, like, I mean, just by all the study and attention I brought to it from the high weirdness community, that this stuff is like just starting to manifest increasingly. I mean, like, I just found out about the what's the guy Harvey Strang character. This was the guy in 1844 after Joseph Smith was killed by the mob. Like, he allegedly got this letter from Joseph Smith appointing him the head of the Mormon church. And for a brief period of time, he seriously challenged Brigham Young. Like he got a fair amount of defectors to Burlington, Wisconsin, of all places. Mm -hmm. And then he tried to set up like another commune in Beaver Island. I think he successfully ran for like the U.S. Senate. He declared himself the king and monarch of Beaver Island. It's just bizarre. But then it's like on top of that, like just sort of how this plays into the broader history. So Burlington, Wisconsin later ends up, uh, see, Burlington was a big, part of helping Strang like forge this uh, following because the newspapers there were sending out like all these uh, missives, you know, across the country, hyping him up and what have you. So I think about like, you know, 60 years later, they found the Burlington Liars Club, which was basically centered around journalism, trying to fabricate stories and what have you. Uh, and like I uh, try to create sensations essentially in the press through this. Um, and ironically, one of the guys who was a big member of the Burlington Liars Club club was Alex Jordan, the uh, creator of, Ale of uh, House on the Rock. 
And then, of course, uh, with this whole sordid history as well, you got to wonder about the last name of the founder of this breakaway Mormon sect, Strang, S-T-R-A-N-G, which is the same as a certain figure in the Church of the Subgenius. And when you sort of consider how there's a certain parallel between Operation Mindfuck and what the Burlington Liars Club was doing with their letter writing campaigns over the years, mm-hmm. kind of makes you wonder who else was aware of this history before it started to get a little more uh, exposure in recent years. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, Carrie Thorley was brought up in a Mormon household. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, again, guys, uh, that is uh, 4:30 to 5:30 on Central Central Time. You're right before dinner break, uh, Recluse. So, and I think this is your this is your third Strange Realities talk. Yeah, that's the third one. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was the first one, 2020, that he did with uh, the uh, online, and then last year was there in Nashville. This year, back in Nashville. Let's go to you, Mr. Renner. You are you've going, been at everyone. You've been at every you've been at everyone. Yes. You've participated in everyone. Uh, ruined them all. <laughs> you are going to be at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Last. We start with a Tim, Tim Badal, and we end with a Tim, <laughs> Timothy Renner. We're going to do that again this year. I feel... I think we ended with Josh though in 2020, so I don't think that. Are you trying to show the two different spectrums of Tim? Like <laughs> yes, <two> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the the two axes that the yeah, the yeah. paranormal world revolves around of Tim and all the pillars that hold up the universe. <laughs> so uh, that is going to be five o'clock to six o'clock Central Time. You're going to be doing a remote presentation, and uh, let's talk about what you're going to discuss with uh, everybody. Well, it's my favorite of all my presentations I do. I have about, I don't know, six, seven of them now. And this is my favorite one to do. The reason why is it's all my research. Now, not, not that I didn't do the research on the other ones, but say if I'm doing something on like disappearing evidence from where the footprints end, it's I've gathered the research, but it's it's a lot of other people's accounts and, and things that I've put together. This uh presentation on toad road and the seven gates of hell is it's all me because the information that was out there before was garbage and i'm the one who went out and said no no let's figure this out and let's find out the real story so it's all me and i love doing it for that reason i really really love if i can get excited about you know more excited about one of these presentations it's it's this one because it was my first book and since that time i've gathered so much more information and uh, I, I started doing this presentation again this year because I found a bunch of new information and had a bunch more to add to it. So, you know, again, I'm really, really excited about doing it. It's definitely my favorite one to do. So you will have a more animated Tim probably than, than uh, when I'm doing any other presentation. 
Okay. Cool. Yeah. Are you bringing in kind of tie? Are you are you were you going to tie in a little bit of the witch cloud stuff? Is there as well or? Well, I mean, I was going to do a witch cloud presentation, but it, it ends up covering the same topics. So it's it's kind of the same thing. It's sure. it's taking a local legend, it's breaking it down, and then figuring out like the real weirdness behind it. So essentially, you know, I might as well do the Toad Road when there's a lot more information there, and like I said, it's there's a lot more uh, for me to dig into. So it's it's the similar concepts. So I was as I was working on the Witch Cloud presentation, I was like, this is basically the same presentation with less information. Might as well do Toad Road. I can talk about how it applies. So basically, it's you know my favorite thing to do is to find these little places, these little you know local to me. Uh, I would do it anywhere, but it's easy for me to get to these local places and just dig in and find everything I can about this one place with it. You know, the history, the uh, the uh, folklore, the, the the urban legends, everything, and then kind of, you know, dissect it and, and tie it all back together in the end. Cool. All right. Would you mind playing a little song for us at the end? I haven't played live in a long time, buddy. Okay. Okay. My my since that MS attack, my hands are, are very numb. So it's, I can play music, but um, maybe not live again. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Well, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if if uh, if I ever play live again. If I get a good band, I'll play live again. But solo, I don't know. All right. Yeah. Very very cool, Tim. Uh, always always enjoy having you and. Um, Enjoy, always enjoy talking to you. And, um, You've been here since since the first, man. Yeah, the very the, the very beginning. We we flew you out here to Nashville, and boy, and what we did you tired. what did you talk about? Was it the Pennsylvania think, Wild Man stuff? Was that did I know, did I do the Pennsylvania Bigfoot that time or did yeah? So I think I did Pennsylvania yeah, Bigfoot, and then Josh yeah. and I did one together at that time, didn't we? Right, yeah, it, yes. it, it, it looked really weird on the schedule because it looked like we were calling you the Pennsylvania Wild Man. <laughs> <laughs> Way before I was ever writing books on Bigfoot, I used to do telephone work, and I, this one client, every time I come in, I you know I looked like this except way less gray at the time. Every time I came in, the guy's like Wild Man. He used to call me Wild Man because the way I look. So I've been a Wild Man for a while. Cool. Yeah, you and Josh did kind of, I guess, the the proto where did the footprints in presentation. Yeah, yeah, that's All right. right. That was the last yeah, was one cool. that that evening. That's all on YouTube right now, I think. Yeah, yeah. if anyone wants to go check that out, yeah, it is, there. it is. I've got it up for Patreons, um, but you can also find it on Conspiracy Normal because when we were getting ready for the twenty twenty conference we replayed it so it actually the 2019 one is actually available you just gotta just gotta look for it on uh conspiracy normals youtube youtube uh i was wanting to actually you know tim i just listened to your uh your two episodes with brother, brother richard on fatima and i i was honestly just kind of blown away by how great those two episodes were oh, and the you. extent of knowledge that brother Richard has about it. What got you to wanting to talk about that particular subject? Well, um, I'd heard some other paranormal folks cover it and they basically, their coverage amounted to Fatima was a UFO and that was the end of it. 
and it's way more than that. And you know, my my um, approach going into it was we don't go to any other paranormal witness. And when they say, you know, I saw a UFO, we don't go, no, you didn't. You saw something else. Or they say they saw Bigfoot. We don't, no, you saw a dog band. It wasn't Bigfoot. We don't tell them what they saw. And that's one of the rules of strange familiars. We don't tell people what they saw. We let them tell us. And that's what I heard people doing. They're telling these people, oh, no, no, no. You did with Fatima. It's just a UFO. It's a big UFO. It was all just a UFO. And I said, well, let's, let's take a step back and let's see what the witnesses actually said. And, uh, you know, when you say it's UFO, you tend to leave out these early encounters with angels that uh, the, the one seer was having years before Fatima uh, was, was seeing this angel, this kind of heralding the, the uh, Marian apparition that would come later. So there's a lot people miss when they just kind of write it off as a UFO. So that was really, you know, the, the reason why I wanted to take it on. And having Brother Richard there just made that a lot easier. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah, he is. It's a particular, um, particular interesting subject to me too. Um, I just really was really kind of cool to get filled in on the details. I'm familiar with a lot with like the, um, what is it, the prophecies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Brother Richard went into some of that. Yeah, I mean, well, the the, the secrets were revealed. Yeah, the secrets. Um, yeah, it's you know, whether people accept them, the ones that were revealed as, as the real secrets or not, that's, that's on them. But, you know, they were revealed. Like sister Lucy said, they were revealed. So she's the one, she's the one who had them. So yeah, if we're not going to, again, if we're not going to take her word for it, who's we going to take? Do you remember what the the three secrets were? I'm trying to kind of remember. Oh my gosh! It's the, the the vision of hell, the basically the right. prediction of, of the Second World War, and then the third secret is has to do with the church and I don't know, like apocalyptic stuff. But not it's not like the date of the end of the world that, that you know a lot of people said was it was going to be. Yeah, I think there were some people that said that they were disappointed by what the actual secret was, and that's why you have that. Conspiracy theory that the third secret they they didn't reveal the actual third secret. A lot yeah, of that comes from the Malachi Martin stuff. There's a the whole conspiracy that Sister Lucia was replaced by a you know the McCartney like by uh, another you know Sister Lucia later in life, and they, they got her to say you know this and that. But uh, you know it's it's like Brother Richard said if if there's a first of all people are interested in secrets, but if the secret comes out and it's not, you know, what you've wanted it to be all these years, then there's a great temptation to say, well, that, that wasn't the real secret then. Right. Chris, you were talking about something about, um, that there's some similarities between some of these Marian apparitions and some of the tradition that you were kind of raised in some things that are, that are parallels to some of these holy men. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the idea of miracles, uh, again is, you know, it's a big part of the sort of spiritual hierarchy that exists within this cosmology that comes out of the, uh, you know, particularly from, 
uh, Upasni Maharaj, uh, Meher Baba, and to some degree Sai Baba of Shirdi. Uh, but um, really, it was the only the former two that had their, uh, I guess, teachings recorded by people. Um, but the idea is that miracles are, you know, there's two things here happening. Is that one, uh, it's part of a control system that is the spiritual hierarchy. Um, and you've heard some sort of, you know, uh, some of this comes from people who are familiar with more obscure Sufi uh, esotericism, this idea of the Abdal, um, which is essentially, you know, it's usually looked at as some sort of demon or spirit. But, uh, you know, according to the, you know, the writings collectively of these guys, not writings, but the recordings, um, you know, this is part of a hierarchy of sort of control system that is uh, shepherding creation uh, and that miracles are either part of that um, or they are byproducts of uh, what is called spiritual involution, uh, which is a, uh, I'll save some of this for the presentation, but it's basically a uh, like uh, inverse, almost uh, 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 like a tor inverted toroid of evolution. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just said inverted toroid of evolution. Yeah. So, totally what, are we gonna, what are we going to do after that? I mean, come on. <laughs> Sentences that have never been said before. We're, we're all madly typing into Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this, this is the kind of stuff that you can expect. Yeah, you can expect from me. That's what. Yeah, uh, toroid. Uh, if anybody's familiar with it, there's sort of like a, a cosmological idea of the universe. It's a self-contained uh, um, uh, geometric structure that collapses mm -hmm. in, in upon itself, the toroid. Yeah. I think I'm saying that sort of correctly. That's what you see when yeah. you megadose. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All my, my dark ambient noise. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, you're going to do... You said you were going to do more... Um, about more in apparitions yeah we're doing a whole series um so we'll get into some more of the approved ones coming up um probably going to do it like a two first show coming up because the fatima would like two in one show the fatima was like a major deep dive um i don't want to do lordis next because it's going to be an equally deep dive so we'll probably do two of the, the somewhat lesser known ones and then we'll maybe jump on Lourdes or La Salette or I don't know. I'll see whatever moves me at, at the time, but yeah, yeah. we're going to do a whole series of these. I know very little about Lourdes. I'm really interested to hear about. Yeah. It's in, in many ways, it's very similar to Fatima. Um, you, you know, it's a young, young person who's very poor and uh, disbelieved and comes out, um, one of the amazing things is like the the memory, the recall of these seers, these witnesses. They just have this. They're able to come out and just speak this incredible, like you know, uh, pages and pages of prayers and information that that they've been related. But when you see it again and again, you know, if it just happened once, but you see it again and again with these seers and these different apparitions, and it's you know, it's like one of the side effects. This is an incredible memory. So uh, she has that. She's got these, uh, you know, kind of religious ideas that are well beyond a person of her age that she's coming out with that are baffling people, you know, much like uh, the Fatima Sears. 
A lot in common. Uh, very interesting. I forget exactly how many apparitions there were at Lourdes. There's quite a few. Uh, and I, I, that's I the site that there is there a spring there because i remember the, the water of lourdes right that there, is a, yeah. well there it was a little grotto and okay. the apparition told her to dig and so during one of the apparitions she dug into the ground and basically water came up hmm. so and then uh, people they had like a little bit of water and then people afterwards came in and dug and there's a, a spring there so basically the apparition told her dig here What do you think we're kind of dealing with when we're dealing? We're talking about the Marian apparitions. I mean, are we dealing with a just a? It's an interpretation that this is Mary. I mean, it, you know, it seems from what is said that it is very much like she's saying that she is Mary. But there's also a school of thought that you know that this could be interpreted, and this could be some other kind of. Well, I mean, I guess the, the supernatural was in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, there you go. But what do you think? And feel I'm free, Catholic. anybody else to, yeah. I'm feel Catholic, free, so anybody for else to join in on this. So, For me, it's Mary because I'm Catholic. But as Brother Richard says, and it, like I've stolen this from him, I think it's such a great way of phrasing it. Whatever all this stuff is, you know, UFOs, the other, whatever, whatever. Um, it seems to be using the same channels. So you get a lot of these same effects, whether it's a Marian apparition or a UFO sighting or whatever, you know, the, the buzzing, uh, the hum, the, the, the wind that stirs up beforehand. Uh, you know, some of the witnesses were reporting uh, like loud sounds under the ground or sounds like rockets and stuff. So you get a lot of these same effects around this stuff, whether it's a Marian apparition or a UFO or, you know, poltergeist, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I like the way Brother Richard phrases it. It's you know it's using the same channels, but for me, you know, as a Catholic, it's it's Mary, you know. But uh, you know, I certainly don't force that belief on others. And and even when we talked about it on the show, you know, Brother Richard and I, you know, two Catholics talking about, it, I said, hey, take the religion or don't take the religion, but you know, at least take in what the witnesses are saying, and then you can believe or disbelieve the religious parts. That's up to you. But if you're asking me personally, you know, I'm Catholic, so. I'm not Catholic, but I also agree with him. It's Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and believe, that notion. believe it or not, that was what in the uh, the writings from the very strange uh, uh, series of gurus that I know about, uh, that it is Mary also, and that Mary has a very particular station. It's almost like a mantle. Uh, the mantle of Mary is a very important part of the hierarchy, and she has special dispensation to be able to work through miracles. That is her. Uh, that is her. One of her, I guess, attributes. Which doesn't. I mean, as far as I know, I'm, it doesn't go against Catholic teaching. I mean, that would be you know. Pretty no. Strong. Well, the the yeah. To get into not to do too many spoilers, but uh, it's um yeah the. The, the the way in which the spiritual sort of cosmology is set up is inclusive in many ways of some of these things yeah i'm i'm interested in something tim do you feel like through your exploration of this has it changed your faith at all or has it simply oh, yeah. supplemented it or you were you always this faithful no it's changed it there's been some yeah i've i've had some I've had some interesting things happen. So synchronicities abound, um, um, you know, just like when you're chasing Bigfoot, 
and you're chasing this other stuff when you chase the synchronicities abound and i've had some things that have just been like oh okay all right that, that have really kind of turned my head um relics have been sent to me which i've opened the package and it filled the room with the smell of roses you know uh, my wife was across the room her back turned to me i opened the package and she said oh roses and it was just you know it's just this relic that was sent to me uh, you know yep. it's yeah stuff like this is happening frequently around this yeah. stuff so the the same synchronicities i get when i'm like i said when i'm pursuing this other stuff they're happening or same sort of synchronicities uh they just seem to be related more to this stuff um but yeah for me you know i guess i guess the catholic line is you you can take the the apparitions or not you're not you don't have to believe them uh, but for me, it's been a great reinforcement of of my faith. Major thing for me, and not just the ones that are accepted by the the Catholic Church, but there are others that are not as accepted. Yeah, yeah, um, yes, and that's they get kind of controversial. Um, I'm not the guy to talk on that. I think Brother Richard would be more the guy to talk on that. But sure. uh, for, for me, it's, uh, you know, kind of follow your heart and, and, and listen to what's being said. And, and a lot of these, even though they're not approved, are, are pretty interesting. And uh, there's nothing that, uh, you know, they're not telling me to go out and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, join. I don't know. They're, 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 not, they're not going against the teachings as far as I know. Let's put it that way. But again, I'm not the guy who knows why these things are approved nor the guy to approve sure. them. You've got the, uh, I, might, I think my favorite Catholic full saint is uh, St. Geenford to the dog. Are you familiar with him? Um, I'm not sure. He's a, uh, he's basically a Catholic folk saint that's revered in France, um, but he was a, uh, a dog that belonged to a nobleman who- Yes, okay, yeah, 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 the actual dog, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an actual dog, yeah. He came back, uh, you know, the guy came back and found uh, his baby dead, you know, with like blood everywhere, and the dog had blood on him. And he, in anger, he kills the dog. Uh, but in reality, he then discovers the body of a snake and that the dog had actually killed the snake to protect the baby, and so he, like berries in the woods and they're like miracle associated associated with like where it's buried and stuff. So I don't know. That, that's like one that's not like officially recognized by the church as far as I know, but uh, it's a really popular, like, you know, folk saint. Yeah. I, I love folk saints. Uh, you know, they're just fantastic stories with them. Red coming from the uh, world of the cult, as you do, what, uh, what makes you see that this is, that this is Mary. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I have, I don't know, my, my relationship at this point with like Christianity is, is a little complicated, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I say that I'm a Thelemite, but then all the magic that I do is like, uh, you know, powwow and folk magic and angel magic and that sort of thing. That's always, you know, uh, bringing up Christ and stuff. So. I don't know. Like, honestly, are you, are you worried you're becoming an esoteric Christian? Uh, I think that's like a different thing, though, right? That, that's that's like Alice Bailey, right? Well, it can be in you know several <laughs> variations, I'm sure. I mean, I I definitely, as far as like my magical practice goes, um, 
doing sort of Christian folk magic has become a major part of my practice ever since I, I actually like my first exposure to powwow and stuff was Tim, you know, listening to Tim's show and like learning about it and stuff. And then finding out that my uh, great grandmother rubbed warts off my dad's hands when he was a kid mm. and realizing yeah. that I had a family history of it, you know, and I'm from Appalachia. And so studying that like cunning tradition, like was a natural thing for me to do. And there's no separating that tradition from Christianity. You know, the people who practice it don't consider it magic or anything. They consider themselves Christians. So, you know, there's a certain, I have to like, I have to engage with it in a certain degree, you know? And I think that's kind of a common trajectory for people who often from like a, uh, you know, anti-establishment, if not anti-Christian point of view, who are interested in the occult and they end up being, you know, some kind of esoteric Christian, really. Yeah. I mean, well, you end up having, like, like Tim said, you end up having experiences that, that sort of change the way you think about faith and the way you think about the world. And, you know, in my case, you know, I, I don't know if it's led me full circle there, but um, it, it certainly changed the way I think about Christianity and the way I uh, engage with it. Um, and, and as far as like the Mary thing is concerned, I mean, it, honestly, when, when you're dealing with, with spirits or apparitions, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I think it's simpler just to believe they are what they say they are, you know, like if they, if they say they're Mary and the people who have the visions and stuff believe it's Mary, well, then it's Mary. I mean, like there's no, I don't know, like trying to, it, it's like when you're, when you, you're looking at things like this, looking at it from a phenomenological standpoint seems to make more sense, right? Instead of trying to explain it away or to figure out what's really going on, just taking it at face value and, and understanding like how it affects the people who experience it, I think is much more valuable. Yeah, there's a school, there's schools of thought out there that would say that everything is a deception. <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's, that's one of everything is demons, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we've talked about that many times. But yeah, the, so you're just saying just just take it at face value. See, see, I think that like the everything is demons thing. You can just get so caught up in just saying not trusting literally anything. Like at a certain point, you have to be able to trust something. You have to be able to trust your own intuition. I mean, at some point, you know, it just can't be just like literally everything that comes out of you is a demon or yeah. or a bad malevolent spirit. Not to say that there isn't such a thing. Yeah, but it, but it's like it just has to be kind of your own interpretation of what you believe that that it could that it could be. Yeah, and it, it's it can be sort of a dangerous thing because you know there are I do believe that there are malevolent entities out there, right? And they do tell people lies, and there are good entities out there that that tell people good things. You know, like I, I think a lot about like the the contactees and in how very similar the messages that they received were to like like the messages that like Humphrey Gilbert um, received when he was doing spirit conjuration work and stuff. You know, the spirits were telling him, oh, he's like a chosen one. Oh, he'll, uh, they specifically told him that he wouldn't die at sea. Can you guess how he died? <laughs> you know, like some things are trying to deceive you. And so it's, it's like, you have to, you have to approach, 
I don't know. It's so difficult because it's like if you're if you're truly like a faithful person, right? And the Virgin Mary appears to you, like, I mean, your faith says that you should listen to her, right? I mean, I, I'm not I'm not sure. Like, should you question it? Like, you I know? think Adam's kind of saying like it's like a either you know that everything is trickster can be just as bad as everything is demons. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just doubting every single thing because. I mean, Ultimately, I, I think I've come to an acceptance of the fact that, like, I'm never really going to understand, like, what is going on, like, right? Like, what is behind everything, right? The best I can do is just, like, engage with it and interact with it, you know, and, and try to see what it wants to say. But, like, I think, like, chasing the, the root of it is, is probably a fool's errand. The Tim that came from Chaos Magic when he was confronted by... You know, Mary just never, just wouldn't leave me alone. Uh, mm -hmm. Just kept popping up in my life. Uh, at some point came to a conclusion, this is a very chaos magic sort of way of looking at it, where I just said, look, I don't care if you tell me she's a goddess. Mm -hmm. I don't care if she was a real person. I don't, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I only know she works for me. And I just, and that was like kind of my doorway back into, you know, more traditional Catholicism. And in some ways I still kind of, you know, part of my mind has been infected by that, that, you know, that nineties, uh, late eighties, early nineties kind of chaos magic thinking, question everything and, and all that. And part of me still kind of like is, is there, you know, where it's just like, well, I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't care. It works. Yeah. I don't care. But, uh, you know, in a way, the cynicism, I think is as I get older, I'm just removing it. Just like the, that cynical thing. And, and like Ren said, it's more just like, no, I'm just going to accept this, you know, as it is or, or as it seems to be, you know, until until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. Sarai, you've been you've been quiet for this whole thing. You have any thoughts as I caught you mid yawn? Uh, I don't want to be completely contrarian, so I was just keeping quiet. I gotcha. I, uh, I mean, to me, I question everything. I will yeah. deal with stuff as it suggests it is, but I don't necessarily believe anything is what it says it is, or really that anything is what it seems. I think all of this stuff is appearing to us in a way we can comprehend or that we put on it. I don't think any of it is exactly what it seems to be. And that goes for UFOs, Bigfoot, Marian apparitions, whatever. Uh, they're all kind of interconnected, as, as uh, Tim was saying, as, you know, like it's the same, using the same sort of mechanism to communicate with us. And I think once it takes on a form, that form gets strengthened the more people who interact with it with that form. Um, so I'm not sure I believe in any of the stuff as it is, but I think it's there's something real happening. And once, you know, if you have a way that you can interact with it that works, then you use it. But I never fully believe it is what it says it is. It would have been so perfect if you could have just ended that with the butthole surface thing. And by the way, tell your mother I said, Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Recluse, you got any thoughts? Do you weigh in? Uh, I mean, I tend to be closer to Soraya's uh, way of thinking on that. I mean, I'm. 
I've always kind of been of the opinion that, I mean, the human mind isn't necessarily capable of comprehending things like non-human intelligences. I mean, we just don't, I don't know if we necessarily have like the framework to even begin to understand, uh, you know, I mean, they're like desires, I mean, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I tend to think that even if they're attempting to present themselves in an honest fashion, it might be geared towards a, a sense in a way we could understand it, but not necessarily what they actually are, if that makes any sense. So I do think that, I mean, yeah, there's a, a healthy dose of skepticism is always like warranted when dealing with anything. Um, that isn't human, frankly. So, <laughs> I apply the same standards to algorithms and AI and that other kind of thing too. So okay. I'm I'm an equal opportunist when as far as this kind of stuff goes. But yeah, but then again, that assumes that you know the uh, uh, the rumblings of some kind of sentient AI on the computer or what have you isn't actually a uh, algorithm that's been inhabited by a non-human intelligence. What is that like an extended <laughs> intelligence or something like that? So. What about recluse? Uh, that's also assuming that all of these things are non-human intelligences. When and like a lot of my own experience and research, I feel like a lot of these things were human at some point. In a lot of cases, they're they're like the dead. You know, they've they've maybe been yeah. dead so long that they don't really remember being human. But I think they they some of them can really. I do agree with you that there there are some things out there that are alien, right? That are yeah, and I mean, I mean, alien in the sense of just like, yeah, they're totally yeah. outside, I think, the human mind. Yes, I do agree. I mean, there's different a cosmology. I mean, spirits of the dead. I mean, again, depending upon how much of the literature you want to go into with Grant or some of the continuing stuff at the Cybernetic Cultural Research Unit or what have you, I mean, time travel is possible. You know, you can tap into future consciousnesses that humans, the Homo sapiens, would inhabit at a distant future. So, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, maybe it actually is a human consciousness, just one that's been significantly evolved to some extent. And then, I mean, of course, there's the, you know, litany of traditions of some kind of alternate or, you know, evil earth or something like that. I mean, almost a kind of, you know, Black Lodge kind of thing up in Twin Peaks, you know, to kind of give the audience an example of this. But this is, you know, something I was really fascinated by, and like the Hopewell and the Adena cosmology. I mean, you know, they have sort of like the three tiers of reality, kind of like Middle Earth, which is the you know realm that we inhabit. Uh, there's the upper world, the kind of, you know, the sky realm, the dominion of the Thunderbirds. There's the underworld, which would almost be kind of like akin to the abyss or something that's inhabited by the horned serpents and this kind of thing. But then there's also this whole concept of the other world, which I mean, with this whole sort of twin or evil earth, basically, where time ran backwards and all this other kind of stuff. In Grand's cosmology, that's basically the same thing where you would go, you know, to kind of the night side tree of life after you've gone through the abyss and then boom, you're there in this kind of evil earth where also um, time was compressed and you can see all the past and the future. So, I mean, it is interesting that there are a lot of these different kinds of traditions. And I mean, that kind of raises some interesting questions about, well, are you possibly being communicated with by your double, but your evil double? 
And then again, I mean, depending upon how much you want to go into some things like, you know, simulation theory or something like that. Well, I mean, how many simulations have potentially been built? What if there are simulations that have been built of you that have now been unleashed online that are trying to communicate with you? I mean, yeah. is that not a mind fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I've, think I've said before in a couple of these shows that um, I definitely think based on some of the out-of-body experiences that I've had, that in some cases uh, you're dealing with people who are dreaming. Like to us, it looks like a yeah, ghost. Yeah, I could definitely What see it really that. is is a person in another parallel world having yeah. a dream yeah. about in there in our world for a little while. Um, I think that's, that could help explain things like doppelgangers as well. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think sometimes with deja vu too as well. Um, you know, that's kind of like, I, I mean, I actually just had a really sudden sort of experience of this recently, and I kind of had that similar thought, like, well, what if it's, you know, something where I dreamed this from like an alternate reality where I was yeah. having this particular conversation in that, you know, uh, universe per se, and now I'm like, it's suddenly kind of occurring to me in this one as I'm now going through it in this uh, plane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it gets into some pretty woo-woo kind of stuff <laughs> when you really yeah. go down some of these rabbit holes. And that's what Strange Realities is all about. These uh, diverse opinions and cosmologies and approaches yeah. to studying all this phenomena. You'll, you'll, you'll hear this kind of stuff in the hallway, I'm sure. Um, well, gentlemen, this has been really awesome. Thank you for doing this. Um, I want to, before I give any kind of spiel about get your tickets, uh, let's talk about where you guys, people can find you. Recluse, we'll start with you. Uh, well, I'm the host of the Farm Podcast uh, Mach 2. You can just find that in Google. It's the Farm Podcast Mach 2 and Apple and Spotify. And also, I've got my Patreon set up for that. Uh, got two different tiers on there. Lowest tier, you get two full-length, additional full-length shows per month. And then the uh, all-access one, Zoom parties and all kinds of updates on the investigations I'm doing in addition to those extra shows and a lot of other goodies. And uh, I'm also the author of A Special Relationship, Trump Epstein, The Secret History of the American establishment and strange tales of the parapolitical post-war Nazis, mercenaries, and other secret histories, which are available on Amazon uh, and physical for copies. The Jeffrey Epstein uh, book is part two going to come out at some point. Uh, well, I got the Discordian slash QAnon thing that I'm working on slash psychological warfare thing, but hopefully part one of that will be coming out in early 2023. I'd like to get both out in 2023. That's a very fitting year for Discordian history to come out, I would say. So here's <laughs> hoping. True, true. Uh, Chris Hertz, where do people find you? Uh, you can go to brightrectangle.com. It's got my film stuff. Um that's about it or you can hear me when i'm on where the road go but i haven't been recently because i've been way too busy working yeah we gotta fix that yeah i know soon after strange realities all right and um rune collier uh so i have a blog at liminalroom.com i'm also on social media uh on my blog you can also find some links to my discord server and uh my Etsy shop, which currently doesn't have anything for sale, but should have some more stuff here soon because I'm getting back in the swing of making things again. And Soraya? Where did the road go.com for everything where did the road go related? Uh, and the last exit.org if you like metal. All right. And who doesn't like metal? And Timothy Renner. 
Strangefamiliars.com will get you links to just about everything involving me. That's where the podcast is. You can also find it everywhere you find podcasts. My books are on Amazon. I also have an Etsy shop. Uh, oh, we just did Glow in the Dark Strange Familiars t-shirts. So hey, cool. Get cool. The Glow in the Dark Strange Familiars t-shirts. And we have the regular ones as well. And uh, Alba Twitch Day this weekend, October yes. 8th in Columbia, Pennsylvania. I will be speaking there. And I'll, a, be, I'll be hanging out with them. So I will be lurking in the background. Exactly. All right. Well, and we, we'd like to say too, we will have t-shirts at strange realities conference for everybody. So uh, come purchase your t-shirts when you're there or let us know online and we could possibly get those sent out to you. Uh, that's it guys. We want to thank you guys. All five of these gentlemen will be at strange realities. Well, strangerealitiesconference.com in some capacity. Final thing, get your tickets, $70 for in-person, $30 for online. Uh, get them soon because supplies are running out in this economy. So uh, we want to also say that uh, after the conference and after this episode, we will be going dark for about a month because we're going to recover from the conference and everything that we're doing. We'll be back in November to finish out the rest of the year Good spirit normal. All right, guys, strangerealitiesconference.com. Not going to remind you again. Get your tickets. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Thank you. Stay on the lot. Stay on the line for us. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Coast to Coast AM News Editor Tim Badal, John Tinney from Ghost Stalkers, host of the Saucer Life podcast Aaron Goulias, your favorite crackpot historian, Adam Gorightly, podcaster Micah Hanks, and many more speakers and workshops. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.